Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you. Uh, once again, for your for your word, <clears throat> and uh, Lord, as as we look into uh, a prophecy, a promise that that came many years ago and is is being fulfilled and will continue to be fulfilled. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would guide and lead us to see that a little bit more clearly today, and that we would learn more about who you are and the generosity and the justice that you bring into this world. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. On April 12th of 1861, the Civil War began. Uh, The central cause of the Civil War was the status of slavery. It was fueled by uh, this greed and power of some, especially the expansion of slavery in this newly acquired land after the Mexican-American War. And In the history of the Civil War, it's generally uh, believed or accepted that there were 50 major battles that took place with another 100 other significant battles, totaling around uh, just over 600,000 deaths from military people. And if you were to put that into comparison to all the other wars in our nation's history, you would quickly see that the Civil War was by far the bloodiest war that we've ever had in our nation's history. Yet the North won, and on January 1st of 1863, Abraham Lincoln issued an executive order who was our president at the time known as the Emancipation Proclamation. And on January 1st of 1863, the proclamation changed the legal status under federal law of more than 3.5 million enslaved African Americans in the Southern Confederate States. Moved them from, from being enslaved to free. But obviously, because this was signed in 1863, this is before the days of TikTok, Twitter, and global news took a little while for that to be known, especially in the southern states. And even though the Emancipation Proclamation was made effective in 1863, it could not be implemented in places still under Confederate control. And as a result, in the westernmost Confederate state of Texas, there was still slavery that was taking place until freedom finally came, June 19th, 1865. Some 2,000 Union troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas. That army announced that more than 250,000 enslaved African Americans in that state were free by executive decree. This day came to be known as Juneteenth and by the newly freed people in Texas. And Juneteenth is a day that has recently been brought to the conscious of our American nation. It's something that now we are celebrating, and it should be something that we celebrate in our nation. Yet it also should be something that we lament. 
Let me explain. We celebrate it because on Juneteenth, human dignity brought to human dignity was brought to people no matter the color of their skin. At least it was recognized by federal law. But we lament the fact that so many died for this freedom, and yet there is still division in our world because of the color of our skin. So, thanks for the history lesson. Thought I was at church. What? What? Here's the question that I have for today. What does this have to do, or where does God or your faith fit into this? Or let me ask it this way. Does God even care about this history? In this series we're starting today called Generous Justice, I hope that you're going to see that God certainly cares about these things. In fact, we will read throughout uh, this series and learn through this series that we have a God who has a vision for the future, and in order to implement and put that vision into practice, he confronts injustice in this world right now. And so we as people live in this now and not yet of a kingdom that our God talks about for the future. But today I want to spend some time talking about, well, what is this future vision that God has of this new kingdom and why he cares about confronting injustice? And to do so in this series, we're going to be looking at this guy named Micah. He was a prophet in the Old Testament before the time of Jesus, around 700 B.C. And Micah, as a prophet, that means that he speaks on behalf of God. And in his prophecy in 700 B.C., he is confronting and also bringing forth a promise. See, Micah speaks on behalf of God and is speaking against how God's people have rebelled from God's ways. During that time in Micah's culture, what was going on is that there was all kinds of greed and power-hungry people that were consumed by those emotions and feelings and had turned away from what God had instructed them to do. The people in Micah's nation and country that were supposed to be following God instead were robbing from from each other and living out by their own rules. And also there were false prophets who were taking bribes to offer a false sense of protection. And instead of just you hearing me say that, look here in Micah chapter 3 verses Verses 9 through 12, Micah says this, Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Notice what he's saying here already. You people who, who seem to follow God, you detest justice. And you are seeking to build by blood and iniquity. It, it continues. And it, its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. What Micah is calling out is that it's not just a matter of the political leaders during that time. It's also a problem inside of the church. That, that inside of the church, these people are, are giving teaching for a price. Notice, he continues. He says, yet they lean on the Lord and say, 
Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion, you shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house of a wooded height. See, what Micah is confronting here is the hypocrisy that is going on in this nation in this place inside of the people of God. And what he's saying is that there will be consequences for this injustice. Notice he says that you're just not going to flourish. He says that instead you will be plowed as a field. And Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins. See, what we read here is that That God is advancing a kingdom, but he does so in a unique way. And and what we see already is that, that God is confronting the injustice that is going on in this place. And he says that there are consequences for for that. But I but I want you to see that that this isn't the end of the story. It's not just that you guys are horrible people and now you're going to be ruined. But instead, what Micah does and what we see throughout Scripture is there's a confrontation and a promise. Uh, Notice here that, that when we talk about biblical justice, I want to be very clear on this. Biblical justice is retributive and reparative. We'll talk about three ways or three things that that means. That biblical justice is re retributive and reparative. Retributive in the fact that it not only rebukes evil doing, it calls out the wrong. That's what biblical justice will do. But at the same time, too, it restores those who are victims of injustice. What we read about God is that he's not just calling out wrong, but he certainly does first confront broken systems. And in the time of Micah, there was a broken system that existed. The people of God were working out of greed and power. And so Micah, speaking on God's behalf, calls out the brokenness that exists. Yet he doesn't just call it out and yell at it. In fact, this is one of the things that's so frustrating to me about justice inside of our world is that we can call out the wrong and then we start to feel a little bit more mighty about ourselves. We're willing to point the finger at everybody else in the wrong that they're doing, but I'm not willing to look at myself. And see, what God does is he, he calls out the injustice, but he also brings forward a plan. And he says, this is how this is going to be different. Which leads us to Micah chapter 4, the verses that we read here today. Notice this future plan that God has of a new just place. It says this, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it. What Micah is saying here is this, is that there will come a time. These are literally the next verses after he talks about that you will be destroyed. He says there will be a time in the later days where people will be attracted and will see this new kingdom that is coming. 
Now, who is that for? Is that just for uh, just a select few? No, notice Micah continues here in Micah 4.2. He says, And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That word there, nations, is literally all nations. All people, many nations, all of these people shall come and see that God is doing this new thing, that he's inviting everybody in. And in the process of doing that, it's going to be a bit uncomfortable. Because if we were to be honest, we, we like things to just look kind of like us. But instead, what God is talking about here in this new, this new kingdom that he is forming and making in this world is he, he's talking about it as essentially like it's like a potluck, right? In the sense of that in this potluck, there's going to be many different meals that are provided. But it's not just cheeseburgers and french fries, which is what I would prefer. But it also has spaghetti and churros, that it has a wide range of people that are a part of that. And if you look closely at this picture, apparently there's a pirate inv invited. I got this just off of Google. I don't know where it came from, all right? But here's the point, is that the kingdom of God is going to look different than the kingdom of the world, amen? That the kingdom of this future of what God is doing is he is not just inviting those who only look like you, but he also invites all nations to be a part of God's kingdom. So not only is God's biblical justice retributive and reparative, it confronts broken systems, but it invites all nations to be a part of his kingdom. And see, the problem is for us as human beings is that we seem to only think about ourselves. But instead, what God does is he thinks about everybody and all of his creation. And then Micah says this. This is a really beautiful verse. He says in Micah 4.3 these words, that he, being God, shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords in the plowshares and their spears in the pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. When I first read this passage, I was like, what in the world does this mean? That they shall beat their swords in the plowshares and their spears in the pruning hooks? Micah is using an image that is really powerful for us to see, one that Isaiah would use as well. What he's saying is that in this future, this thing that is a reality that God is creating right now, but desires for the future as well, is that they will take their swords and they will mold them, they will beat them into plowshares. Now, for us, we think like, okay, plowshare or like a, a tool that I need for gardening, well, I just go to Lowe's or Home Depot and go pick up a new thing. But during this time, that's not how it would work. Lowe's wasn't giving out grants. All right, Home Depot didn't exist. What they had to do instead was they had what was a weapon that was used to defeat the enemy. And what Micah is saying here is now there will be work that is put in that will change and transform that thing that was used as a weapon will be used for human flourishing. 
What he's saying here in this moment is that your sword will be turned into a plowshare. The thing that was supposed to be used as a weapon will now lead to human flourishing. How cool is that? He says this spear that was used as a weapon for war will be used as a pruning hook. What he's saying is that a spear, which is just a long sword, right, with a point on it, he's saying that that will be transformed into a device that looks like that that you use to prune the trees. He's saying that there will be no more need for those weapons that we hold on to. A modern-day example would, would be this. He's saying that your gun isn't needed anymore. Instead, it's transformed into a grill. Do you hear the power of what he's saying? This future kingdom that is coming, what is used as for your own safety and protection and the thing that you think brings you comfort and security, what he is saying is that that will be turned into a device that will be used to invite people in. This is this vision and future that God has for us in his new kingdom. And so we see that biblical justice is retributive and restorative or reparative. And the fact that it confronts broken systems, it invites all nations to be a part of God's kingdom, and it turns weapons of destruction into tools for flourishing. Those who were a part of the military now are farmers. There's no more need for those weapons anymore. And when you hear that, I assume that your feeling is like my feeling, which was probably like the people who listened to Micah. We remember Micah 3. You said that we're going to be destroyed. What do you mean we don't need these things anymore? How in the world does that look and work? And what are we supposed to do as a result? Well, these are great questions. And one that, that would be called out of Jesus as well when he came into this world. Because thousands of years later, Jesus, the God-man, the one who took on flesh, enters into our world and he starts preaching about a kingdom that is to come. He's not just one that talks about this future. He is living it out in the people that he talks with, the people that he interacts with, the people that he cares for. In fact, we read in John chapter 8 that there are some religious leaders who they start getting upset by Jesus, calling him a Samaritan and one who is evil because he is loving the people that shouldn't be loved. And in John 8 verse 53, we read this. They say this to Jesus, are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets that died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And what Jesus says in John chapter 8 is this, is that he is the one who has come to fulfill the promise that Micah talked about. He is the one who's saying that I have the ability to confront injustice and call it out. I am the one who comes into this world and invites all nations to be a part of this kingdom. And I am the one who comes into this world and says that I'm going to take what was used for destruction and make it for good. Make it for human flourishing. This is who he is, and he does so not just in his words and his teaching, but he does so through his action. 
through taking on death, through taking on what we deserve and conquering sin, death, and the power of the devil. See, God's future vision is a reality where generous justice is lived out. And we certainly get glimpses of it now, and yet it is also something that is to come in the future. But I know what you're probably thinking right now is what I'm thinking. What do we do in the meantime? Great. We're in the middle of this place that is arguing about all kinds of things. And we see injustice happening all around us. So what are we supposed to do in the meantime, in the in-between? Well, Micah says this in Micah 6, 8. He says these beautiful words. What has God required of you? He has told you this, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. See, over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at these three things. What does it mean in the midst of a world that, that is still experiencing injustice, in the midst of a world that, that has a future and a promise for something so much greater that our God promises us? What does it mean to live in the meantime? And what does it mean to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. See, as I think about uh, this next week, and as we, as a nation, will be celebrating Juneteenth, and as we move on through this month and get to the 4th of July and celebrate another holiday of our nation, I'm reminded that those are all glimpses and moments and times of where we seem to see this justice being brought into our world. But my hope would be this, is that you would know that your faith is in a God who is generous in his justice. And that the God that we are worshiping here today is one who has a future and, and a vision for eternity, but also one that has implications for us in the meantime. So know this today, is that God's justice confronts broken systems. It invites all to be a part of his kingdom and promises to turn weapons that were used for destruction into tools for flourishing. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for the promises that it brings and Lord, not only the fact that it calls out that which is broken, but it also has a plan that doesn't just invite some, but really is an invitation to all. And Lord, uh, I pray that as we, as we lean into this prophecy that, that Micah, that you gave Micah, I pray God that uh, that as people, we would see that you are a God who is working, that your spirit is moving, and that, Lord, it calls us to follow you. So help us, Lord, in the times and in the ways that we need to repent 
But Lord, also give us the courage as, as we move forward as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.